Hey everyone, my name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker Podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. How are you guys doing? My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Hopefully you guys have been having a good two days since I last talked to you. Last time I talked to you was on Tuesday. We talked about tennis for quite some time, talked about the final days of the Trump administration. And this will be a little bit more lighthearted. I assure you guys that it will be a little bit more lighthearted. So, um, yeah, last time we talked about tennis and we talked about Novak Djokovic and essentially what he's done in terms of, again, being a baby and just being entitled to certain amenities during the Australian Open. And I'm... once I finished the episode and once I saw the feedback in terms of Novak Djokovic, not in terms of my podcast, obviously, nobody has really listened to this podcast yet, but once I saw uh, the the reaction to Djokovic through several sites and blogs, it's like, oh man, my, my opinion was not that, t- that different from what people were actually saying. So I'm a little bit glad about that because... Again, if you're all alone in this, in that opinion, it may not be beneficial for you, especially if you know that uh, that it's it's contrary contrary to what the uh, popular opinion is on it. But again, like seeing people harp on Djokovic for what he's done, and seeing people really criticizing him and criticizing just his overall attitude to not only the Australian Open but the coronavirus, it's it's been. It's been reassuring on my part. I can say so myself, if I can say so myself. So, again, how have you guys been? It's been, last time I talked to you was on Tuesday. And let's just talk about some football news. I think that's a nice breather, a nice refresher. And I think that that would be the most beneficial if we just talked about something lighthearted for this episode. Uh, this episode won't be for too long. It'll probably be between, I would say, 30 to 40 minutes, maybe, uh, if I really could put a timer on it. But, again, let's just talk about some football news. So, this week, this Sunday, I should say, which will be, what is it, the 21st today? 22nd, 23rd? Oh, 24th. Okay, so the Sunday of the 24th, we'll be having two football games on Sunday. One is in the afternoon. I'm pretty sure that's Green Bay, Tampa Bay. No, actually, that's the AFC game. The AFC game is Bills Chiefs, and then it's Green Bay, Tampa Bay. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think it will be a nice matchup between those two teams. And I really want to see the Bills win. Obviously, my preseason prediction was Chiefs-Packers, and I really want to stick to it, but I want to see the Bills win, and I really want to see the Bucks win. I think the Bucks and the Bills would be an enticing matchup, not only because it's two franchises that haven't really won anything in the past 15 or so years for the for the Bucks. That is, last time they won was 2002. The last time the Bills won, I I, I can't even put a, a year on it. <laughs> it's been literally like Super Bowl after Super Bowl, loss after loss. It's Again, my I have the utmost appreciation for anybody who would consider themselves a Buffalo Bills fan because I can't even imagine the torment that you guys have been through in the past 40, 50 years. 
and yeah it's going to be interesting uh, I, I really think it's going to be a, a fun two matchups and hopefully hopefully the Buccaneers can be able to win against the Packers that's what I'm really hoping for at at this time because right now it's a do or die season for Aaron Rodgers right he has 48 uh, passing touchdowns it's probably his best statistical year since God knows when and again it's it stems from the fact that the Packers drafted a quarterback early this past draft at the quarterback position and that sort of put a fuse in in Aaron Rodgers uh situation because it sort of motivated him to get to this plateau and to really ball out like no other quarterback has really balled out for the Packers so again, uh, I think it's going to be an enticing matchup because it's Rodgers-Brady. It's two great quarterbacks, two of the greatest quarterbacks in the past 15 or 20 years facing off one another. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a pretty a pretty high-scoring game. And mainly because of the fact that Mike Pettin is the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. And if anyone knows about Mike Pettin, he's essentially an individual that carries zone defense and if there's one thing Brady's really good at it's picking apart zone just ask the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers in the past five ten years whenever uh, Tom Brady played against Pittsburgh it was just he was just able to pick it apart easily and it was a it was not necessarily or relatively a close scoring game because of it so Mike Pettin's the defensive coordinator and I think he's going to win. I think Brady's going to win against Green Bay, and it will be a pretty high-scoring game. I don't want to put like a, a score uh, for this game because, I don't know, for games like this, it could be 40 to 30 or maybe even like 35, 28. I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't want to put a score to this game, but I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. But for the AFC side, you essentially have Patrick Mahomes, who's been banged up due to the concussion that he had against the Browns face off against Josh uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills with that offense as well I mean it's two great offenses with two pretty good defenses a lot of cachet with the names associated with the Kansas City Chiefs obviously Tyron Matthew is on that team with the Buffalo Bills it's been uh, basically homegrown talent and I think that's going to be a pretty low-scoring game on that part. And I do think that whoever wins the AFC will probably likely win the Super Bowl. So I think that's what's going to happen. Obviously, my preseason prediction was the Buffalo Bills. Oh, no, no, it wasn't the Buffalo Bills. My preseason prediction was the Chiefs and the Packers. But I really do think that it can be the Buffalo Bills Buccaneers. Because of the fact that, again, it's two franchises that have been starved of the Lombardi Trophy. And I think we're going to see, not repercussions, but you'll see the long-term residuals of that in those games and how they play. So that's my prediction. Chiefs, Packers, Buccaneers, Bills. If it's Chiefs, Buccaneers, that would be... That would be a letdown because I've already I've already seen Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Obviously, that would be beneficial for 
Patrick Mahomes. It would be beneficial for Andy Reid. But, man, I would love to see the the former, not the latter, Buccaneers-Bills. And that sort of parlays into my next topic, which is, does Brady's success in Tampa affect Belichick's legacy? Right, Because you've seen a 43-year-old quarterback who, by and large, is proving age wrong. I mean, talk to Alex Guerrero or talk to anybody of his um, medical staff, but I don't know, like watching him ball out, I'm like, maybe maybe TB12 is not that bad. You know, maybe TB12 is a pretty good diet as long as you uh, have some form of... uh, As long as you have some form of... uh, Guerrero with you, if you know what I mean. Uh, but again, does Brady's success in Tampa Bay sort of affect Belichick's legacy? And part of the reason why I say this is because of the fact that Bill Belichick has had a losing record without Brady as his starter. Obviously, we've known about him through Lawrence Taylor, through being the coordinator with the uh, with the uh, New York Giants. We've seen him with an 11-5 record with Matt Castle. Can he be able to win another Super Bowl without Brady at the helm? And I think that's going to be his mission until the day he retires. I don't think he's going to let that down. I think he's going to go balls to the wall with drafting, with finding the next quarterback that can not only replace Brady, but help out Belichick's legacy, help out his legacy to be not only the greatest coach of all time, which he is, I do think he is the greatest coach of all time, but to spite Brady, to spite Robert Kraft, who told Belichick to trade Garoppolo and bank on Brady as his future. How did that turn out? But I do think that it's going to be his mission for the next five to ten years uh, to essentially win a Lombardi trophy without Brady. I do think Belichick is a great coach. He's one of the best coaches of all time, if not the best. But at the same time, when your head coaching career has essentially been entwined with Tom Brady's career, and if you see that the amount of Lombardi trophies that you won and hoisted up is the same amount that your quarterback, your former quarterback, has sort of hoisted as well, I mean, it does sort of chip away at what may be your coaching legacy, your coaching, again, your coaching career. So I do think that's at the back of Belichick's mind, and you saw him in 2014 draft Jimmy Garoppolo. And again, if you want to go back to that era, the reason why Bill Belichick drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round was because of the fact that it was it had been 10 years, 10 full years since Brady Belichick won a Super Bowl. And Belichick drafted him as a way to sort of warn Brady that, hey, if you don't win another Super Bowl, this could be your successor. This could be the person that could succeed your position and do it that more drastically, that more uh, beneficial for our team. Now, obviously, uh, Belichick had to Belichick had to trade Garoppolo to San Francisco because of Robert Kraft, because of Tom Brady, because of the fact that there was corporate pressure on Belichick's part. So he sort of traded him in a 
position where he could succeed and thrive with Kyle Shanahan. But, yeah, I mean, I do think it sort of hurts Belichick's legacy if, again, if he sort of bankrolls on Tom Brady and Tom Brady alone. So, I I mean, yeah, I mean, Belichick's not really happy at uh, Brady succeeding at this point. But, again, it's, I mean, part of it's on Belichick as well. I mean, you knew this guy was going to leave, and instead you traded, or not traded, but acquired Cam Newton, who's been banged up, who isn't as healthy as he once was. And you essentially lead to a 7-9 record while not necessarily viewing Stidham as a viable quarterback. That should be alarming to Patriots fans. And I'm one of them. I mean, I grew up as a Patriots fan. I still am a Patriots fan. In fact, I want to see the Patriots succeed way more than I want to see Brady succeed. Even though I love Brady, I want to see him do well. But I would much rather see Bill Belichick and the Patriots succeed more than Brady. I value consistency and I value the ability to compete for Super Bowls more so than, say, acquiring six Super Bowls and then 20, 30 years of mediocrity. I don't want that to happen. I don't think that should happen. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I do think that it sort of chips away at Belichick on Brady's success. In other news... Philip Rivers has retired. Philip Rivers played 16 seasons with the Chargers, one season with the Chiefs. He released a statement on his retirement, and I'll try and uh, speed it up. I'll try and read fast about it. So, all right, Philip Rivers' statement on retirement. Every year, January 20th is a special and emotional day. It is St. Sebastian's Feast Day, the day I played in the AFC Championship without an ACL. And now the day that after 17 seasons, I'm announcing my retirement from the National Football League. Thank you, God, for allowing me to live out my childhood dream of playing quarterback in the NFL. I'm grateful for the Chargers for the 16 seasons and Colts for the 17th season. Thank you for all the coaches and that helped me grow as a player and as a person. Thank you to the support staff. I appreciate the opposing defenses that make it challenging physically and mentally every week. I'm enjoying the, I also enjoy the banter. I appreciate the referees for putting up with all my fussing, and I think I was right most of the time. Dadgummit. <laughs> thanks to the fans in San Diego and around the nation that both cheered and booed. Special thanks to my teammates, without a doubt. My favorite part of the game, being a teammate. Thank you for being mine. Lastly, thank you to my wife, okay, wife Tiffany, and uh, his children. Uh, he has a lot of children, by the way. He has like seven, eight children. Uh... He's pretty conservative. He has a conservative family. I, li- I like that. I like having a lot of children. I, I do want to have children as well. But uh, that's a lot of children. I, I don't know how, if I would have like <laughs> uh, the the uh, a varsity basketball team as my as 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 my children count. I don't know. But as my playing career comes to an end, the next chapter be- uh, begins. Nunc Coep, Philip Rivers. Okay. So that was his statement as to being retired and now there's this sort of skepticism and um just sort of this broad range discussion as to whether or not philip rivers is a hall of famer and if i'm going to be completely honest with you he's a great player don't get me wrong he's a great player but i i wouldn't put him in the hall of fame because to me he essentially played like drew bledsoe two individuals two quarterbacks who were drafted early in the first round to two franchises that were starved of a quarterback, but 
didn't necessarily bring home the Super Bowl trophy to their respective franchises. They played exceptionally well, don't get me wrong. They played really well with their teams, and they played for a long period of time with the teams that they were drafted. But moreover than not, they didn't really win a Super Bowl trophy, and that sort of does sort of delegitimize you as far as being a Hall of Famer goes. Again, he's a great player, a great player, but as far as being the best of his generation, I wouldn't say so. And again, I do think that there should be a distinction between the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Very Good, right? The best, the greatest quarterbacks of a particular generation should be in the Hall of Fame, whether it's Brady, Manning, Rodgers, Breeze. I would put those individuals in the Hall of Fame. I would even put, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes. Now, obviously, he's won one Super Bowl, and we sort of have to see his career trajectory and how he overcomes not only this concussion, but also his further injuries that he may have. But by and large, if he just if he continues his pace, he is a Hall of Famer. But again, there is a difference between Hall of Fame and a Hall of Very Good. And I think that's very important to differentiate because if you put Philip Rivers in the Hall of Fame based off stats and stats alone, what does that say about other quarterbacks? Right? What does that say about Matt Ryan, a person that basically choked in the biggest stage of them all and allowed a 25-point comeback for the Patriots in the Super Bowl, which eventually led to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's fifth Super Bowl ring? Again, what does that say about Matt Stafford, another individual drafted in the first round to a team starved of the, of the quarterback position, but not necessarily being in that position where he can win a, a Lombardi trophy. Again, there has to be a separation between Hall of Fame and Hall of Very Good. Now, would I be surprised if Philip Rivers is in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. I mean, if Jim Kelly is in the Hall of Fame, if Kurt Warner is in the Hall of Fame, right? then obviously Philip Rivers has the ability and could definitely be in the Hall of Fame. I just want to put him in the Hall of Fame just because I think there should be value in greatness. And once we allow individuals who have played great but haven't really had a career like a Brady or a Manning be in the Hall of Fame, then I do think it sort of chips away at it. And I would say... the exact same way the exact same reason why i don't think eli manning should be in the hall of fame because even though he's had two great postseasons with in 2007 2011 or 2000 yeah 2007 2011 uh specifically it does it doesn't take into consideration his bad quarterback play in the regular season and again he finished with the new york giants with a neutral record with a 500 record so that does hurt him in a way and i don't really consider eli manning a hall of famer as well but again when you look at philip rivers career games i mean 2007 that 2007 afc championship game where he entered the game with a bruised acl and as the game progressed you just saw his acl completely obliterated that was definitely his best game because even though the Patriots won in nine points, if Philip Rivers did play healthy, it would have been a, a Chargers Giants Super Bowl. I, I truly believe that. And I would much rather see Tom Brady and the Patriots have a, a 17 and 1 record than an 18 1 18 and 1 record because, again, it doesn't really make sense to win all these games and then lose the big one 
that makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, that's like Andy Murray at the Australian Open, right? Like if if you win all these matches and then all of a sudden lose to Novak, well, don't put me through that through that emotional roller coaster. You know, don't put me through that. But yeah, I mean, I would much have rather have seen a Chargers Giants Super Bowl because of the fact that again, Eli Manning was drafted by the San Diego Chargers. And then he sort of asked for a trade because of ownership. Again, it's so weird to say San Diego Chargers, man. Like, it's so weird to say San Diego Chargers. Put them back in San Diego, man. Like, is Dean Spano still the owner? I think he is. Why does LA have a second football team? They're not a football city. They like the Dodgers and they like the the, the Lakers. Seeing San Diego was a way better destination for the Chargers than, say, LA. Way better. But again, going back to Eli Manning being drafted by the Chargers, he was drafted by the Chargers, and he asked for a trade. And as a result, Eli Manning was sent to the New York Giants, and Philip Rivers was sent to San Diego. So seeing that dynamic would have been way better than seeing the Patriots and Giants. But, yeah, I don't think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. He's a great player, don't get me wrong. A great, great NFL player. But... To, to sort of say that he is a Hall of Famer, I think that it does strip away at what may be his, uh, or what may be what is considered Hall of Fame worthy in Canton. So that's my opinion on Philip Rivers. Hopefully, hopefully he does get in because, because I, I want to be proven wrong. Again, I want to be proven wrong with this topic, but again, I don't really consider him one. So. Again, this podcast episode will be pretty short, if I may say so, myself. Um, mainly because of the fact that last time I, I went over 50 th- 53 minutes, which is my personal best. But it can get tiring and wearing for some, especially if you haven't really built a fan base yet. It, to expect somebody to sit through 53 minutes of you talking is a little bit too much. But, again, I just wanted to see if I could go the distance last time. And... uh Again, there was a lot to talk about because of the fact that it was Trump's final day in office. And with that being said, Biden has now been inaugurated. And he is now our 46th president of the United States. And I'm not that big of a fan of Joe Biden, as anyone would say. As as anyone would have noticed, I'm not that big of a fan of Joe Biden. I remember seeing Sarah Silverman tweet out yesterday, which... What happened to Sarah Silverman? I mean, she was funny, but ever since 2015-2016, she's been so gung-ho about, like, about just the cultural aspects of the Democratic Party more so than the economic, and sort of, she's sort of been the purveyor of the cancel culture aesthetic that has been intertwined with that coalition. But she, she tweeted out yesterday, like, oh... Now that Biden's in office, does that mean the kids will be out of the cages? No. <laughs> no, the kids will not be out of the cages, Sarah. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you really thought the Department of Homeland Security was that bad under Trump, best believe it will be worse under an establishment politician. Best believe. Uh, so yeah, that Biden will be inaugurated. And again, I'm not against the Department of Homeland Security. I'm not against ICE. I like, again... Immigration is not a net positive or a net negative. It just is what it is. But 
yeah, it was, it's, Biden's now in office, man, so I don't know how long it will be before Kamala will take over, but again, get ready for four years of yes, queenism. Get ready for four years of I'm speaking. I'm speaking. You know, get ready for that. You know, get ready for four years of platitudes and empty change while not really considering the the people that voted for Trump or Bernie or any populist candidate for that matter. You know, remember when back in the late 2000s being for the war in Iraq and Afghanistan was a deal breaker? I mean, that's the main reason why Hillary Clinton lost to Barack Obama was because of her insistence of the Iraq war, of the Afghanistan war. And that's one of the reasons why Biden lost in 2008 with the, uh, at the Democratic primary to people like Kucinich and Obama, even though o- Obama hated war so much that he decided to put us in five more wars with Somalia, Libya, Yemen, Syria, and Pakistan. But again, it was a deal breaker back in the day being for the war in Iraq and for the war in Afghanistan. So, I mean, the fact that people unconditionally, the, 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 the left has unconditionally support, have unconditionally supported Biden. Obviously, there are individuals who don't, and I think that's commendable, such as Kyle Kalinske and Jimmy Dore, Crystal Balls. Uh, I mean, Sagar and Jetty is more of a right populist, but... You know, go check those individuals out if you want. But, again, like, Joe Biden supported every bad war, every bad trade deal, and somewhat, some way, we voted him in office. I don't know. I don't know. I think we should have picked a better better person for the Democratic Party. You know. Obviously, Bernie Sanders, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, to a certain extent, but, again, like, she was in support of the Jones strikes in Syria. So I don't know. She says she's anti-war, but I, I think it's kind of a grift to get that anti-war voter that may be within the Libertarian, Republican, and Democratic Party. But, again, yesterday was uh, uneventful, and it was very boring. And if one thing that, again, you can say anything you want about Trump, uh, again, I'm not grudging you for that but one thing that he did bring was the entertaining aspect to the presidency he treated it like reality television and we got reality reality television out of it and that was fun to see for those four years or for those three years i should say 2016 to 2019 2020 it was like okay trump let's let's be presidential here again the tweets are funny when things are going well but when you're in a pandemic when people are begging for insulin and for health insurance I don't think it's beneficial to uh, to be tweeting about uh, uh, about stop this deal. You know, I, I I don't think it's beneficial on your end to be tweeting about that relentlessly. Uh, apparently, they were going after RSS feeds as well, so they're going to take the buzzwords out. You know, stop this deal. They'll they'll take the buzzwords out of of uh, of the no no words, as I should say. And, you know, they'll target you and they'll throttle your search results and take away your podcast. So uh, I had to be more cautious with this podcast because I don't want the last thing I want is a knock on my door and uh, me waking up and seeing my Simplecast website to be gone. That's the last thing I want to see. But 
again, uh, yeah, so Biden's in office. Not really looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Because it's just going to be a lot of performative change while not really changing our current system. And you can take that however you want, but I, I do think it's going to be a... a it's, it's going to have a lasting effect on the people that voted for for Biden to be in office. Apparently, they're walking back on the $2,000 checks, <laughs> which, I mean, classic Democratic Party, you know, uh, promising something that they they probably will not put in place. But apparently, they're supporting a $1,400 check with a $600 check under Trump. And that's how they're counting $2,000, which makes no sense whatsoever. Obviously, you're going to get support because you have a Democratic, a Democratic-supported Senate and a Democratic-supported House of Representatives. But again, $1,400 checks is nothing that people should be, should, be, uh, should be actually getting. And again, it shouldn't be based off income. It should just be $1,400 checks to everyone, not just related to income. So, yeah, that's that's the party shunning Bernie. Besides making memes about him, that's about it. <laughs> While not really paying him any credit or giving him the attention or giving him the support that he should be getting. Again, th- these are the same people that will support Stacey Abrams, even though Stacey Abrams did jack shit, but will you know completely forget about Bernie, completely forget about Andrew Yang, and completely forget about those individuals that really brought about universal basic income and having aided relief or relief aid to those that are completely powerless. So that's the party for you. That's the Democratic Party. All right, guys, I think I'm heading to my time limit here. Again, I tried to make this a, a very... Uh, a very short episode because, again, I went a little bit overboard last time, but hopefully you guys have been doing well. Hopefully you guys will enjoy your weekend. It's Thursday, so hopefully you guys will enjoy the playoff games there. And, again, uh, hopefully you guys stay well and stay easy, stay rested. Uh, check out my YouTube channel for the video portion of this for this podcast. Subscribe to my channel if you really like this. Click the bell icon below. And I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. And I'll see you then. All right, guys. See y'all.